0: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Alpatanshul. The Winter Olympics are officially underway. What's your favorite winter sport to watch? Big air, luge. Earlier today, Suffield, Connecticut native Emily Sweeney comp- competed in the first day of women's luge. Coming up, WMPR's Frankie Graziana will join us to talk about her and the other Connecticut athletes competing in Pyeongchang, South Korea. That's later. But first, Where We Live has had several discussions since fall of 2016 about plans for a third casino in Connecticut. Now, last year, the legislature and Governor Malloy approved a facility to be built in East Windsor by Connecticut's two tribes, the Mashantucket Pequots and Mohegan Nation. The spokesman for the tribe's joint venture, MMCT spokesman Andrew Doba, told WNPR they plan to break ground later this month in East Windsor, but the project is not without complications. There's now a bill before the General Assembly this session to allow an open bidding process for a third casino, possibly in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Now, will that violate the state's original gaming compact? And questions over whether the two Connecticut tribes have approval from the federal government in order to build in East Windsor, those questions haven't been resolved. Now there's a lawsuit, which begs the question, were plans to expand gaming in Connecticut really a good idea in the first place? You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. In studio with me, I'd like to welcome back to the show business reporter for The Hartford Current, Ken Gosselin. Welcome back.
1: Hi, Lucy. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. So you have been with us up uh, to the last year with the twists and turns of this casino mm-hmm. drama in Connecticut. Uh, let's start with the latest news first. I mentioned in the opening that there are a group of lawmakers in southwestern uh, Connecticut that are pr- have proposed a bill this session. Uh, what are they asking for specifically?
1: Okay, so they would like to resurrect the idea of uh, open competition for a new casino in uh, Connecticut. And this was talked about last session as well and uh, did not go uh, very far, didn't get out of really out of committee. And, uh, of course, as you mentioned, the East Windsor Casino was uh, ultimately approved. But uh, the delegation from uh, kind of a joint delegation from Bridgeport, New Haven, is looking to bring this back again uh, and to Kind of cast a wider net than happened last time, because of course, as you remember, the you know the tribes were exclusively allowed to expand, and you know they chose the East Windsor uh, location.
0: Now, this uh, delegation from southwestern uh, Connecticut, including lawmakers from Bridgeport, we're going to hear mm-hmm. from one of them coming up later in the show. Um, I also understand that uh, New Haven's uh, lawmakers are on board with. Uh, pairing up with Bridgeport to get this casino down there. And it's interesting, they're pairing up with MGM.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, they uh, When the MGM made the announcement that they had plans for uh, last uh, fall for Bridgeport, uh, they had the support of the New Haven delegation, the New Haven mayor. Um, the uh, uh, MGM has uh, promised to do some things in New Haven, job training and such. So they have built a coalition down there, support for this and uh, MGM has been very active. Last December, uh, Mr. Murren from MGM Resorts spoke to the business community down there in a very large meeting and you know really did promote the idea of, of just looking at the whole casino picture, the agreements with the state for revenue sharing from slots, just to look at the whole thing again. So they have been building towards this for a while.
0: Originally, MGM fighting that third casino uh, to be built or gaming facility to be built in the north central part of Connecticut. But now they're really lobbying hard for this Bridgeport Casino. Not the first time Bridgeport has been uh, talked about in terms of a casino facility. We're talking about way back when uh, during Mayor Gannon's uh, first term.
1: Yes, and even further back in the 90s, just going way, way back, uh, there was talk about uh, Bridgeport. The argument that the the Bridgeport New Haven delegation puts forward is that there is a very lucrative market to be had here between Bridgeport and New York City and uh, that this is their argument that it is a uh, a better market to try to tap into. Um also, they 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 do cite that there have been problems with getting East Windsor going. There is this uh, dispute between the tribes and uh, the the u uh, s. Department of Interior over changes to the revenue sharing agreement because it has to go through the u s. Department of Interior. And uh, that is kind of appears to have held up things. Uh, created a roadblock. So, um, you know, when I talked to Representative Rosario uh, last week or so, I I believe it was last week, um, he said, it looks like the doors opened a little for Bridgeport.
0: Let's get the perspective of East Windsor uh, on this conversation. On the phone with us now is uh, Robert Maynard, first selectman of East Windsor. Uh, Selectman Maynard, welcome back to the show. Thank you. So what's happening in East Windsor? How do you see uh, the timeline for this gaming facility up and running, running in your town?
2: Um, I I would say that it might have been delayed by a month or two, but uh, I will have to say that on February 28th of this month, uh, the uh, MMCT and the Tribal Nations are going to start the demolition of the uh, showcase cinema. We're going to have a little ceremony, hopefully the uh, governor can attend, and uh, the, I'm sure state representatives will attend, so we're, we're starting the process of building that casino uh, in a few weeks.
0: Uh, so you're saying that this is maybe a couple of months behind from the original timeline. How concerned are you about this uh, this new bill in the legislature calling for the plan to be scrapped in East Windsor in favor of, of a, a facility in Bridgeport?
2: Um, well, I'm, I'm disappointed that the, uh, the state representatives would, would go forward with that. Um, I think the town's really disappointed, too. But I, I want to point out that um, no matter what is done in uh, southwestern Connecticut, uh, right now uh, the state's losing $5 million a month to the MGM Casino, and they will lose uh, $70 million a year, it translates into, because they're losing over five. And no matter what's done in southwestern Connecticut, this money will be lost to the state, and also uh, there, there's thousands of jobs involved, and this really impacts uh, the North Central region of Connecticut. Uh, and historically, along with other regions of Connecticut, the North Central region has been very strong. And uh, we had the uh, the canal built, uh, the Windsor Locks Canal, which is right across the river from where um, from East Windsor and Warehouse Point was where the the Ships used to dock in in this before the canal was built, and right now where the um, a second rail or double rail is being built in Windsor Locks to commute between Hartford and Springfield. So uh, the the casino is really a big part of the uh, resurrection of uh, North Central Connecticut. So to lose that, it would be a terrible tragedy, not just for the town but for the whole region.
0: Uh, We heard uh, Ken Gosselin mention uh, the Department of Interior and how uh, the tribes are actually, they wanted a more definitive answer of whether they could move forward with this facility in East Windsor uh, to make sure this wasn't violating their existing compact. Uh, I believe the tribes uh, in Connecticut are suing uh, the Interior Department to get a more definitive answer. Uh, That could uh, put an even further delay. Are you concerned that even though you're going to have this this uh, groundbreaking or demolition uh, ceremony at the end of the month, that this could be months long before this facility were even up and running?
2: Um, Well, I think just to build a facility will take at least 18 months, so it's not going to be here for a while, and uh, so we're prepared for that.
0: Uh, This is where we live. Today we're getting an update on what's happening with this third uh, casino to be open. Uh, The plan was for it to be in East Windsor. Now there's a bill in the General Assembly calling on that plan to be scrapped and for the facility to be built in Bridgeport. On the phone with us, First Selectman of East Windsor, Robert Maynard, and in studio with us, Ken Gosselin. And you can join the conversation, too, 860-275-7266. Selectman Maynard, uh, tell us about um, when you mentioned that right now the, the state's losing $5 million dollars a month, I believe is what you said, with this MGM Springfield that's supposed to open in the fall. Where do those numbers come from?
2: Um, the facility in MGM, and I believe it's open now, um, will take uh, about, uh, let me see, about 200 and... In, in, um, eighty million dollars a year in revenue from the Mashantucket Pequot uh and the Mohegan Sun tribal nations. And so that that's a great deal of revenue that will be lost to the tribal nations and, and the the uh state gets twenty five percent of that. So that's where the seventy million dollars comes from. And uh that's translated into five million dollars a month or a little more than five million dollars a month and incidentally just on along the same lines, um for every month, MGM can delay the building of this facility. Uh, or they would uh, gain $20 million a month in revenue. So uh, they're doing whatever they can to delay the building of this East Windsor Casino. And as I said before, wherever in Connecticut another casino is built, it, it's not going to change the fact that, that uh, $20 million a month in revenue are is going to MGM because they're just 15 minutes down the road.
0: I want to go back to Ken Gosselin. Uh, so, this bill to open up a possible bidding process for a new f- uh, casino, possibly in Bridgeport, how does that impact the, the original gaming compact agreement between the tribes?
1: Well, the, the way the draft of the bill that I've seen, of course, the bill can change, it can morph into uh, over the course of the legislati- legislative session a lot. But what I have seen so far is that it's a two-year, two-step process. And it's very similar to what the tribes went through in selecting East Windsor. Um, you know, the first year would be collecting the bids, uh, the proposals, and, you know, what would you like to do? Where would you like to do it? And then there would be a second-step process another in another, another session to get the uh, backing of the legislature for, you know, selecting a site.
0: Now, we, when we look at the original legislation that was signed into law by Governor Malloy to permit this East Windsor gaming facility, um, it was clear that they needed approval from the Interior Department. Could another bill be put forth this session that changes that requirement?
1: Um, I, anything could be possible uh, with that. I'm not exactly sure how that would work, um, whether the the state law could pre- preempt what is what is required through the Department of Interior or what so but it, that certainly could be possible
0: um, again, we're talking today about what's happening uh, with uh, this uh, potential third casino in Connecticut. Uh, Selectman Maynard uh, from East Windsor is on the phone with us. You know, when we talked with you about a year ago, uh, we'd heard from residents, not all residents are on board with this plan. Um, what has been happening in East Windsor to allay uh, their concerns? Again, it's a, a small agricultural community worried that this casino could change the character of the town.
2: Um- I think that was a, a minority and it was, uh, uh driven by a really out of town, uh, uh, people. Uh, it was kind of a uh, statewide uh, effort. Um, we are we're very comfortable uh with the casino coming here uh mainly because we are agricultural but if you look at our demographics they're they're laid out very well to the east of the town are our uh, fields where we grow corn and tobacco and and uh, potatoes and and many other things and uh to the west of uh, our town is is the Connecticut River and uh, route 5 and also uh, route I91 and that is, is where the casino will be, and that's our uh, industrial and business area. So the casino really will not affect our agricultural nature at all, or our rural nature.
0: Uh, David's calling from Fairfield. David, you're on the show. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Hi. Um, you know, I would like to
3: support the open process and have private money come in and build an entertainment complex in Bridgeport and provide a lot of jobs where they need it the most in the state.
0: Uh, David, uh, when you look at what has happened so far in the General Assembly with um, coming up with this agreement for the two tribes to open a facility, are you happy with uh, how that um, transpired?
3: No, because I think it's an antiquated uh, pact to begin with. It's over 25 years old, and I think it puts Connecticut at a big disadvantage compared to our neighboring states.
0: Well, David, uh, thank you uh, for your call. I wanted to go back again to that gaming compact. Uh, David raises a good point. It's more than 25 years old, uh, Ken Gosselin, from the Hartford Current. Um, any movement within the legislature to think about how to renegotiate that?
1: Uh, there had been some, some discussion about that, but nothing has really advanced on it. How that, uh, when they, they were talking about the open competition bill last year, um, that issue was discussed. Um, in hearings, but nothing has really been put forward on that.
0: Meanwhile, that, that agreement has given the state of Connecticut hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. The,
1: that's correct, but the, the amount that the state has been getting has been going down, uh, primarily because of the competition. When the tribes first opened in the early 90s, there wasn't any casinos any around them at all, but now there are a lot of them and more coming. And, uh, you know, you have Rhode Island, um, you know, what's happening in Massachusetts, you know, particularly what MGM is doing in Springfield is very close. um, And they're just, uh, there's a lot more competition, a lot more places people can go that maybe are closer that where once they drove down to where uh, uh, southeastern Connecticut, they may now be wanting to go to places closer.
0: Uh, Flickman Maynard from East Windsor. Before we let you go, I just wanted to to find out from you. You you believe that MMCT, this is the two Connecticut tribes, are fully committed to East Windsor?
2: Uh, absolutely. Now, uh, if there is uh, another casino bid built in Bridgeport, uh, I think they will be involved in in the uh, bidding for that too. And I I support a. Uh, uh, casino in Bridgeport, but that really doesn't change the fact that MGM's taking money from the state right now.
0: And we'll take uh, one more call before we go on uh, where we live. You can join the conversation 860-275-7266. Uh, Rick from South Windsor, go ahead.
2: Yes, hi. Uh, I just had a quick question. Now, I had heard or I read in an article that the tribes haven't even submitted a site plan yet to the East Windsor uh, Planning and Zoning Commission, and also that there hasn't been an environmental review done. Um, is that true? Can you enlighten us on that?
0: Good question, Rick. Uh, Slickman Maynard.
2: Um, this week, uh, we're going to have a hearing on the uh, a change to the wetlands. So it, it's, it's going before the wetlands committee this week. Um, the site plan, went that's completed, which should be completed this week, then a site plan will go to uh, planning and zoning. So we're moving forward on the zoning uh, issues.
0: I want to thank Robert Maynard, First selectman of East Windsor. Uh, Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Okay. Today we've been talking about the latest surrounding plans to expand gaming in Connecticut. Plans to build a new casino in East Windsor have hit a few snags. Coming up, we're going to hear more about this debate expected in the General Assembly about where a casino should be built. In studio with us is Ken Goslin, business reporter for The Hartford Current. Have you been following this debate? Do you support lawmakers who want to build and the two tribes who want to build a casino in East Windsor? Or do you think a better location is Bridgeport? Does Connecticut even need another casino? Join the conversation. 860 275 Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today we're getting, yes, another update on plans to expand gaming in Connecticut. Last year, the Connecticut General Assembly and Governor Malloy approved a plan to allow Connecticut's two tribes to open a third casino off tribal land in East Windsor. It was meant to compete with the new MGM Springfield Casino. That's opening later this year. But there are delays, including a lawsuit. Connecticut tribes are, are suing the Department of Interior to get clarification from the federal government whether the East Windsor w- Casino would violate its existing slot agreement with the state. And then there's another battle brewing in the legislature over a new bill to scrap the East Windsor casino plans and open up the bidding process for a third casino in Bridgeport. Why now? To help answer that question on the phone with us is State Representative Christopher Rosario, who is from Bridgeport. Representative Rosario, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Uh, thank you for having me on the program. I understand you're part of this uh, delegation from both Bridgeport and New Haven promoting this new bill to open up uh, the bidding process for this third casino. Uh, this type of legislation was introduced uh, last year, I believe, and failed. Why, why? this? Why are you doing this again?
3: Well, uh, uh first of all, I, I, I believe that uh that the the compact that we have, uh as you guys mentioned before, it's been it's been going on for over twenty five years. I believe it's antiquated. Um I believe our gaming license uh, has a a cost to it. And we have to take advantage of every opportunity we can. As you know, it's the state of Connecticut. We're having some serious revenue issues. Uh, But I also want to give an opportunity to folks uh, in the city of Bridgeport. uh, And and the open process, I believe, will give them them that opportunity.
0: I'm curious. uh, MGM, obviously, is an out-of-state company. uh, And we're talking about... um, uh, a relationship with uh, two tribes uh, that uh, that compact agreement has provided millions of dollars to help uh, Connecticut. Uh, are you worried that this is uh, being seen as anti-tribe? Uh,
3: I, I will tell you this, and, and uh, I will invite any member of the tribes to dispute this. When I, uh, when I first got elected to the uh, legislature back in 2014, my, my first initial rea- uh, uh, outreach was to the tribes. And the tribes had mentioned to me that they were not interested in Bridgeport. Even as early as last year, I had mentioned, I said, hey, would, would you guys be interested in coming to Bridgeport? They told me they were not interested. It wasn't until after MGM started, uh, I, I guess, putting pressure on them, uh, showing plans, signing agreements, and, and showing that they were serious about Bridgeport, that the tribes... Uh, then started uh, saying that they were interested in Bridgeport. By no means am I anti-tribe. It's not anti-tribe. Uh, the open process would allow the tribes to bid on a uh, <clears throat> on a, a casino in Bridgeport. There, there's all this rhetoric that it would cost jobs. If the tribes were to win the the, the bid in Bridgeport, I think that would add jobs. Uh, um, the tribes are the home team, and, and uh, any advantage that uh, they, they know our state, they've been very helpful to our state and the city of Bridgeport, and we're appreciative of that.
0: If they're the home team, why is the Bridgeport New Haven delegation um, holding press conferences with MGM and putting forth uh, their uh, development plans as a possible, uh, a possible facility for the, the east end of Bridgeport?
3: Well, listen, we'll, we'll hold a press conference with the tribes if they're seriously interested in coming to Bridgeport. I will tell you this. I, I know there are some folks that would say, you know, a, a casino in Bridgeport would be a bad idea. But what I can tell you this, I'll, I'll invite anybody who says that to come down to my district, to come down to the Bridgeport and, and see the cost that, 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 that we need jobs in Bridgeport. We need economic development. Serious economic development. And a casino in Bridgeport, I don't care if it was a casino, I don't care if it was a manufacturing plant, I'm just fighting for the best opportunity for jobs in our city.
0: That's uh, Representative Christopher Rosario from Bridgeport. Um, I wanted to bring into the conversation now State Senator Kathy Austin, who represents the eastern part of the state, including uh, the towns where we have already have uh, Casino Foxwoods, Resort Casino.
4: Senator Austin, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. I actually represent both uh, uh, casinos. They're both in my district. So Mohegan Sun and uh, Foxwoods.
0: Uh, So what's your reaction to this new bill being put forth? And what Representative Rosario has said.
4: Uh, so I, I really like Representative Rosario, but I think that this is um, a wrong uh, wrongheaded uh, bill. It's a discussion that we had last year, and it will cost uh, jobs in Connecticut. There are 6,000 workers um, from the two casinos that live in my district alone. There are uh, 12,000 workers between the two casinos. There are 140 towns that send workers uh, to the two casinos right now. Um, I think the best spot for a third casino is uh, up in this end of the state, which directly uh, competes with MGM in Massachusetts. MGM is, um, from my perspective, a company that has not shown uh, good faith uh, to the jobs in Connecticut nor the revenue in Connecticut. Uh, You mentioned a little bit ago that uh, the uh, two gaming industries uh, brought millions of dollars Into Connecticut. They've actually brought billions of dollars into Connecticut uh, and they've brought millions of dollars to every one of the urban environments in this state. As a matter of fact, all the urban environments get between five and six million dollars per year from the Mashantucket Pequot grant. uh, Fully takes 40 towns in eastern Connecticut to reach that five or six million dollar range per year. Uh, And um, we're willing to share that Mashantucket-Pequot grant uh, because uh, we get the preponderance of the jobs right now in eastern Connecticut. Uh, The idea uh, that MGM is doing what's best for Connecticut has been belayed by their conversations that they've had uh, with uh, their fourth quarter, where they said that they were not interested in another casino in Connecticut Uh, They have hired some 60 lobbyists this year. They had 40 last year, so they're upping their game. Um, But I would also point out that MGM has twice uh, come into Connecticut and walked away, Uh, down in Bridgeport in the 90s and in Ledger at, um, uh, at Foxwoods when they walked away to go to Massachusetts. So they've been very clear that they're not here to uh, work with Connecticut on revenue. They're actually working against Connecticut on revenue and they're against Connecticut jobs. I wanted to get some listener perspective now. Uh, Carolyn's calling from Fairfield.
0: Carolyn, go ahead. Hi, thank you. I really support the the project for Bridgeport. I've lived on the Fairfield, I've lived in Fairfield on the Fairfield-Bridgeport border now for some time, 20 years. And I am waiting for something to happen in Bridgeport, and it just seems to me it's a beautiful city that's ripe for development. The MGM project, from my view, is not a slot box or whatever they call it. I mean, it's it's an opportunity for the city to rise itself back up. Um, I think that this would be great for us. And another point that I can't help but think: a lot of us commute in and out of New York City, and it's a it's a long train ride. It'd be really nice for Metro North to have higher off-peak traveled um, frequencies. It'd be really nice to have more ridership and off-peak time, and maybe that would help Metro North raise the additional capital to put it back into the rails to make it a lot easier for the rest of us who go in and out of New York every day. Uh, Thank you, Carolyn, uh, for your call. Uh, Nicole's calling from East Lime. Nicole, go ahead.
2: Hi, I'm Nicole. I'm just calling. um, Senator Alston, last year the legislature acted to protect thousands of Connecticut jobs. I hold one of those jobs here in Connecticut. I just want to make sure you are still going to help to save the jobs that we have in Connecticut and create new jobs.
4: So absolutely, and that's uh, that's exactly why I would fight um, uh, uh, any sort of change in the current legislation. As a matter of fact, I really don't think that we need the federal government's approval Uh, and we'll be uh, having conversations with the Attorney General to uh, see uh, if um, we can take that caveat off of uh, the current legislation. I think that um, uh, the federal government's idea that they have a right to interfere in what happens in the state of Connecticut is wrongheaded also. So I'll continue to fight for Connecticut jobs. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think that I could work with uh, many of the folks in any other part of the state with uh, subcontractors for electric boat because uh, there'll be some 30,000 jobs there. Senator Austin, you were just saying that you're not
0: sure if the, this uh, plan by MMCT, Mashantucket Pequots and Mohegans, necessarily needs Department of interior, interior approval, and you'd want to take that out of the legislation that was passed by Connecticut last year? Correct. Now, why
4: do, why do you think it might not need that approval? Because it is off tribal land? Uh, I don't think that we need the approval of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Uh, I think that um, uh, the fact that they haven't come out against it uh, is clear that, uh, that this was something that should have just been approved as, uh, as a matter of right. Uh, And they did not come out against it. Uh, There has been some lobbying by MGM with the Bureau of Indian Affairs from the uh, Nevada representatives. And uh, I think that when we start getting into a state by state comparison, that we need to remember that uh, Connecticut has some sovereign sovereignty. And I would uh, go with that. Ken Gosselin's in studio with us, business reporter for the Hartford
0: Current. Um, so that's Senator Austin's opinion, but uh, the state is currently in court now uh, suing the interior again to try to get a f- more firm answer on what can happen for this East Windsor facility to proceed.
1: Right. That, that's correct. They are in, in court right now. And um, the, the state obviously has very, you know, feels strongly about this because they joined with the tribes in this in this uh, lawsuit. So um there is some feeling that that, you know, that it is required, that something more definitive is required for this.
0: I want to take another a listener call and then get back to Representative Rosario from Bridgeport. First, uh, John from Waterford. John, go ahead.
4: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm, good. I'm doing well. What's good. your question I, or comment?
2: As a Connecticut resident, I find it very frustrating that we're not supporting and bolstering two of our strongest employers Instead, we're thinking of bringing in an outside competitor on a bunch of promises, hypotheticals, and what-ifs. That, I just think that's a really bad idea. And Senator Olson is really on the right side of, of this fight, and I just want to let her know, please keep it up, and we are here supporting you.
0: Uh, John, thank you uh, for your call. Representative Rosario, do you want to respond to what John was saying?
3: Absolutely. First of all, I, I believe that the, uh, the Board of Indian Affairs actually uh, has countered the suit uh, by the state of Connecticut. Uh, so you might want to look that up. And, and, and secondly, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about jobs for eastern Connecticut. I'm thankful for those jobs. I'm glad those people have those jobs. I don't want them to lose their jobs. However, we're looking at the city of Bridgeport, Connecticut's largest city, okay, and there are no jobs, so we're saying that people having jobs in Bridgeport is a bad idea. I think that's wrong. I think the tribes have been reactive. Uh, they're reacting to MGM. Uh, when that wind opens up in Everett, Mass., in Boston area, they're, they're going to lose uh, serious revenue from, eastern, from that eastern part of the state. It's only a matter of time before they start thinking about Bridgeport. By then, how long are we going to wait? How many years are we going to wait in the city of Bridgeport to not have any jobs? So uh, that, that's, that's my stance on it.
0: Uh, Representative Rosario, we're getting a, a tweet. Uh, a listener writes, plenty of articles on millennials not going to casinos like boomers do. Uh, the future of the Connecticut Valley is not nickel slots. Uh, I don't game. Don't know anyone who does my age in the early 30s. Better off investing in downtown. So I'm curious if this uh, plan for a casino in Bridgeport were to go forward, um, how, would that, how would you uh, suggest the money from that investment be used to help your downtown? in bridgeport well
3: well, i I will say this uh especially the the resort uh that mgm is proposing in bridgeport it's not a slot parlor it's not a uh 1500 uh slot uh slot box this is a resort they're going to have nightlife they're going to have restaurants they're going to have uh all types of amenities uh for entertainment beyond the gaming uh, and, and, and if you've gone to Atlantic City, if you've gone to Las Vegas recently, a, a lot of their attractions are based on entertainment, uh, family entertainment. So that, that's, that's the direction uh, of what the proposal is. And, and with that said, this is an open process. By no means are the tribes shut out. If, if I'm not mistaken, the tribes have signed an entertainment agreement with the Webster Bank Arena so if they're serious about about bridgeport then they would they would put in a bid for 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 something in bridgeport so i don't see where they lose jobs if they were to put in a, a bid for a casino in bridgeport that's my take on it
0: this is where we live you can join the conversation 8602757266 again as we talk about the future of a, a third casino in connecticut uh, robert's calling from norwich robert go ahead
2: hi i just want to uh, voice my frustration about how um, our legislature has given so much time to MGM when they, they have no real plan for Bridgeport. Um, there there has been no legislation to put a casino there. The original plan uh, two or three years ago that was put forward by the Mohegans and the Mashantuckets was to add more than one casino, possibly one in the Bridgeport area. But that was shot down, and that's being completely ignored.
4: Robert, thank you for your call. Uh Senator Austin, do you want to go ahead? Uh so I and I appreciate everybody's comments that have been made today. These two uh gaming institutions have brought billions of dollars into uh Connecticut. They've been good community partners. Uh uh the previous caller talked about the fact that they wanted to put more than one casino in. It was um the state that determined that they could only put in one. Um, and I point out over and over again, MGM has twice made promises to this state, twice made promises to this state and walked away. Uh, we have uh, uh, two companies that have two tribes, uh, two tribal nations who have uh, put millions of dollars in our urban areas, put billions of dollars into the state, provided thousands of jobs. Uh, I I don't see how you cannot support uh, the people that have been here who have lived through the tough times and the good times with the state of Connecticut. And, uh, those are the people that, uh, that I will stand with. And, uh, again, I point out that there are other jobs coming to Connecticut, uh, with the rise of the, uh, of electric boat, Pratt and Sikorsky and uh, a lot of the other manufacturing areas that are, are moving forward. And many of those subcontractors live, uh, uh, have, um, space is right around our urban areas. I think that, and uh, according to Electric Boats President Jeff Geiger, they're looking to double the amount of jobs in those subcontractors. That's where the real jobs will be. Uh, We need to support our home businesses, and our home businesses are those two uh, tribes, both the Mahegans and the Mashantuckets, and, and that's why I plan on supporting. Representative Rosario, I'll let you respond before we head to break. Well, I've been I'm I'm standing
3: by and representing the people of the city of Bridgeport who have been going through tough time for generation after generation after generation. Back in the 90s, uh my mother was working in a in a factory working three shifts. I was a latchkey kid. She was a widowed mother of three and Back then when they had those casino proposals, she signed up for uh, a job training center, she had signed up to to be a potential, uh, get a potential good paying union job, but that never came to fruition. That never came to fruition. Who knows how my life could have turned out, could have turned out much much better than, than, than what it is now. I'm just planning to give the people, the city of Bridgeport and the surrounding area, an opportunity. I'm glad the Senator Austin, I know she, she mentioned subcontractors. How many of those subcontractors are from Bridgeport? How many of those subcontractors are for small minority businesses? I, I don't hear an answer. I don't hear an answer. So that's all I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for jobs for the people of the city of Bridgeport and the greater Bridgeport area.
4: Senator Austin, just we have an under a minute. Okay. Uh, I, I would point out that there are 450 in the state, most of them around uh, the New Haven, Bridgeport, Hartford area. Uh, I can work with Chris on getting those exact numbers. I have them in my office. I don't want to give the wrong uh, mount but I I know that there most of them are around the urban areas they're not in uh, actually most of them are not in my district uh, those subcontractors are all in other areas of the state and I'd be happy to talk with representative Rosario about that I point out that he said his mom did not get that job back in in Bridgeport back in the day that's because MGM walked away from us back then they'll walk away again uh, they are uh, not an honest uh, uh a broker, uh, and, let's stick with the two gaming institutions we have. Representative if I, Rosario. If I, if I
3: can respond to that, I, and that's not the case. The state senate voted it down. That's exactly why we did not get a casino. Representative the, city of P, the, city of, the people of the city of Bridgeport voted on a referendum. Over 85% of the people in the city wanted the casino, and it was the Connecticut State Legislature that robbed them of that opportunity. Not MGM, not the tribes, not anybody. That was the state legislature, and that's what they're doing now. That's what's happening now. They're robbing us of the opportunity again now.
0: Representative Rosario, we just ha- we don't have a lot of time, but I wanted to ask you again. This this is a bill that hasn't been voted out of any kind of committee. Does this bill to open up the bidding process for a third casino, does it have legs this session?
4: Uh, and listen,
3: a- anything is possible up there, and, and the senator can tell you, and I have great, great respect for her. She, she's She's a fighter. She's a tough fighter. Uh, for her district and and, and she represents her her neck of the woods in the state of uh, Connecticut very well. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be, everything's going to be fluid. So I I believe it has a chance, but there's, uh, uh, I have plenty of time to to talk with the Senator and uh, anybody in that building to try to come out to some resolution.
0: All right, we got to leave it there. I do appreciate speaking to Representative Christopher Rosario from Bridgeport, also State Senator Kathy Austin. Before we go, Ken Gosselin's in studio with me from the Hartford Current. 30 seconds. Meanwhile, all this uh, back and forth in Connecticut, MGM Springfield, when is it opening?
1: That's going to open in September. Okay. And so things are are moving forward there. Um, So that's going to happen. We know that's going to happen.
0: I want to thank you for coming in too, Ken.
1: You're welcome. This is
0: where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel Coming up, we check in on the Winter Olympics in South Korea. Eight Connecticut athletes competing, including Suffield's Emily Sweeney, who just competed in the first runs for the Women's Luge. WMPR's Frankie Graziano's coming up right after the break. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nall Coming up tomorrow, with advances in technology, come new and creative approaches to spotlight local history. On the next Where We Live, we'll hear how one Connecticut city is using Facebook to share information about its past. How are you staying connected to the history in your community? We want to hear from you. Join the conversation. That's Tuesday. Now, the Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang have begun. Have you been watching? For us on the East Coast, local time in Korea is 14 hours ahead. This may lead you to try to watch live coverage online or just wait for the highlights on NBC each evening, now through the end of the Games on February 25th. There are athletes from Connecticut competing in several different sports at the Winter Olympics. To tell us more, WNPR reporter Frankie Graziana joins us in studio. Welcome back to the show.
5: Hi, Lucy. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. So tell us about the Olympians from Connecticut. Who are they? How many do we have?
5: We have, uh, we have three from one particular town, but we have eight in total, which isn't the biggest. Vermont has almost double what we have in Connecticut. And uh, Colorado is 31. But that's because, you know, while we do have great places like Mount Southington and, and Ski Sundown, it's not like it's Stratton, Vermont or Aspen, Colorado.
0: So let's talk about that. You reported for WMPR on one of the Connecticut towns that has three Olympians um, in South Korea. Uh, what town are we talking about?
5: We're talking about Madison. We're talking about the shoreline town, the beach town. Yeah, it's a beach town. Well, one thing about the people in Madison is a lot of people go to Vermont for the weekend and they do a lot of skiing. So I mean, I think that's just, this is how it came about. Um, Zach is a whole different story. You know, he's a skater. We don't have a skating rink here in town either.
0: Tell us who that was and who Zach. <laughs>
5: That was the Madison's first selectman, Tom Banish. So when we heard, uh, somebody had done an initial report about how many Olympians there would be for Madison. So I went down to Madison, straight to the source to talk to the... To talk to the first selectman, he said, "Yeah, a lot of these, a lot of these skiers and and figure skaters have to train in other places. Zach Donahue, the first time he skated in Connecticut, he would have had to go 20 minutes away in East Haven because there's no rink in Madison. Uh, a lot of of the skiers, like Mac Bohannon and Kylie McKinnon, also from Madison, those two had to go to Vermont to train. So, like I said, it's nowadays you would have had you have to move to Vermont. Zach Donahue travels." To, to Montreal and actually lives there, and that's where he trains. But you have to live in these areas now to train at an elite level so that you don't have to factor in travel time to train.
0: Zach, he is actually competing in the ice dancing competition. How's that different from figure skating?
5: All right, so figure skating has uh, four disciplines, right? So there's a short program, which is uh, 220. There's the long program, which is 440. And what's most similar to ice dancing is pairs figure skating. It's a dancing competition, and it's choreographed. In, in skating, other skating uh, disciplines, it's more about um, trying to have that routine where you have jumps and you're judged on your jumps, and your lifts are a little different in pair of figure skating, but in ice dancing, you have to stay closer to your, to your uh, partner because it's all about that connection that you have and how you're trying to get to the rhythm of the dance. So ice dancing is certainly different than the other disciplines. And Zach Donahue is a national champion, so we'll see if he can compete for a gold in Pyeongchang.
0: You mentioned we have eight athletes. We're going to hear more about them in just a little bit. I'm talking with WNPR reporter Frankie Graziano about the Winter Olympics that's just begun. I'm curious the ages of these athletes. Are they all fairly young?
5: Yeah, all of them are fairly young. Uh, Lindsey Jacob Ellis, who I'm sure we'll talk about a lot, she's 32, so she's a little bit on the older side when it comes to uh, Winter Olympians because the first time she showed up in the Olympics, she was t- 20 years old. Julia Marino, who's another great snowboarder from Connecticut, she is now 21 years old. She's in that young age group. So they are around 22, 23 years old, all in that vein. But Lindsay Jacobellis is our senior member at 32.
0: Something that makes uh, the Winter Olympics unusual, there are some sports that just are phenomenal to watch, but most of us, you know, we don't play, we can play basketball, and we can play different sports when we think about the Summer Olympics, uh, obviously not at the pro level, but people who do things like snowboard cross, tell us what that is and how, when we talk about them being athletes, they are really athletes to be able to do something like this.
5: You watch the Summer Olympics and you're, and you're eating like a Big Mac on the couch, you're going to be like, I want to go out there and I want to go run. Well, the Winter Olympics are challenging, but I think that's why we appreciate it more, because remember curling, and after the 2010 games in Vancouver, Norfolk uh, Town in Connecticut set up some curling association, and all of a sudden, everybody went wild over curling. So it's the appreciation for how hard these winter sports are. I know the newsroom was buzzing about it earlier. You're talking about, I don't know if half of us can go skiing or snowboarding. I certainly can't. But to the level how they do it, when you're doing moguls and you don't destroy your kneecap or when you're looking at somebody do slope style and they're moving around, it's it's amazing how they do it. You asked about snowboard cross. Snowboard cross is similar to any kind of cross racing like motocross or cyclocross or cross-country skiing. It's on a track, and you're trying to use your momentum to finish fastest. But there's also some kind of, um, I would say, uh, you, you would talk about obstructions, so there's some obstructions in your way. So that's what snowboard cross is, and Lindsay Jacob Ellis, who is from Connecticut, even though she's one of those Stratton uh, people, she, she graduated from Stratton Mountain High School in Vermont, she's from Connecticut, and she is probably the best snowboard crosser in the world.
0: And she won a silver medal in Torino?
5: Yeah, and, and, and that's always looked at as controversial, because she may or may not have been celebrating on her way uh, to finish in, in Torino. But uh, what happened was she did get the silver, and now she's back with a vengeance. She's won five out of the last seven World Cups. She's dealt with some serious injuries, but she won the World Cup in 2017. And she's our best candidate probably for a gold medal.
0: More traditional sport, the luge. Tell us about the athletes from Connecticut competing.
5: Well, we talk about these fun, crazy sports. I I love the luge because these these guys and the women are going down an ice slope, a downhill ice slope, an excess of 80 miles an hour, and it's, and it's really interesting how they use their bodies.
0: With Luge, we steer with every part of our body, really. Our sleds are very reactive to ourselves, so you'll see our legs kind of scissor a little bit, and that helps scissor the sled to help kind of one edge dig in and push yourself over to the other side.
5: That's Emily Sweeney, and she's in her... From Suffield. From Suffield, Connecticut. (laughs) She is in her first Olympic Games. Last time around, she had a serious wrist injury. And just like Jacob Ellis, she's ready to go, and she could be a contender for the gold medal because she's been very good of late, and she even won her first World Cup race last year. So we'll see what Sweeney got. But just interesting kind of how she mentioned how intense lose is and how you're digging around the track to get your body up and down it, and try to get faster.
0: How does someone even start to become someone that can be an Olympian in the luge?
5: I use the example of Tucker West because we always talk about appreciation for the Winter Olympics and how we're like, yeah, none of us could ever do that. That's amazing. You talk about the Winter Olympics and and Tucker West is like the rest of us. He saw the 2002 games and he was like, I want to do that. After the 2002 Winter Games in Salt Lake City, he was like, Dad, can we do that? He was only five years old at the time. They built a loose track in his backyard, and uh, Richfield, Connecticut celebrates for him, but they also still have that, uh, that, that track in his backyard in Richfield.
2: Richfield, Connecticut is the best cheering squad you could ever ask for. Uh, we let the little kids ride on the track just to kind of show them where I started and how I fell in
5: love with the sport.
0: Before we find out, Frankie, you know, your predictions on some likely medalists from Connecticut, I wanted to ask you about Big Air.
5: Big Air. Okay. So a lot of the skiing or snowboarding events, like there, there are some cross racing involved, but in terms of downhill events, this is where you're judged on, jumps and tricks. This is those real, ah, things that we always say are really hard for regular people to do. and. Big air is crazy. It's a downhill slope, and there's a big jump, much like you see in ski jumping. The town of Salisbury in Connecticut is all about ski jumping, and they have a big jump. So snowboard, uh, the big air event, this is the first time they're doing it in the Olympics. They have that downhill uh, big air event, and Julia Marino from Westport could be a contender.
0: Of the uh, people we mentioned, likely medalists, you mentioned snowboarder Lindsey, and who else?
5: Lindsay Jacob Ellis, yep, she could uh, potentially win in snowboard cross. Julia Marino, she won a Big Air event in 2017. She's only 20 years old. She's from Westport. She's somebody to watch in the Big Air event. She's uh, I believe the only Connecticut athlete that's competing in two disciplines. So uh, she'll be in she'll be in Big Air and slope style in snowboarding. So it'll be interesting to watch her. Mark Arcabello, it's a little more questionable because USA is usually maybe second or third in hockey. But Mark Arcabello, who's from Milford, will be competing on Team USA. We don't know how good they're going to be because a lot of the NHL athletes aren't competing in the Winter Olympics this year.
0: I understand a lot of uh, the men on the ice hockey team for, for us, uh, the U.S. are from Yale.
5: Yeah, Arcabellos from Yale himself, and it's and, and it's kind of a ragtag squad, right? Uh, he is a leading scorer in the uh, Swedish league, so they found him and they and they put him on the team. There's a couple of of other guys that are like Brian Gianta, as a former NHL player. Any means necessary to put a team together because they don't have access to NHL athletes because the NHL is tired of having a two-week break on an olympic year in the middle of their schedule and they don't want them to get injured because that means money out of the owners pockets
0: now frankie i mentioned that because the olympics are in south korea literally 14 hours ahead from east coast time what's the best way for people to watch here in connecticut
5: yeah so it's like 9 a.m right now in hartford around that time so 14 hours from now it's about 11 p.m so uh, easiest way is that every night at eight o'clock just turn on nbc because they have a live event this is the first olympics where all events are live um other than that just go to the local nbc uh website and check it out and see what their schedule is but there's events on nbc there's events on cnbc there's events on usa and there's also events on nbc sports
0: frankie graziano is reporter for wmpr thanks a lot frankie we appreciate it
5: had a lot of fun thank you lucy
0: I'm Lucy Nall-Bethanchel. Before we end the show today, it's Mardi Gras tomorrow. If you're looking for something to do, you can come to Hartford, where there will be an all-day Mardi Gras celebration featuring giant puppets, stilt walkers, and bands, including the Hartford Hot Several Brass Band, who you're hearing right now. We'll tweet out a link more about that event at Where We Live. Thanks for listening.